Hi, and welcome to episode 20 of the Digital Sociology Podcast with me, Chris Till. Uh, today I'm talking to uh, Jess Drakett, uh, who is um, a colleague of mine from Leeds Beckett University, and uh, she's in uh, psychology, but she's um, done some really uh, interesting work, which is definitely relevant to this Digital Sociology Podcast, some really great work on uh, memes and um, uh, uh, how they relate to kind of uh, internet culture in general and uh, humour and sexism uh, and racism and um, she connects that really well to other research which she's done um, qualitative uh, work around how uh, that kind of meme internet culture connects with the kind of sexism we see in the, in the tech industry particularly in, in, in programming uh, so this is a really interesting chat I had uh, with uh, with Jess, and I think I think you'll get a lot from it. As ever, I've um, put some more details on my blog and in the in in the podcast episode description, uh, and a few links uh, to uh, to some of Jess's work, uh, so you can read up on that and actually see some of the memes she's talking about. Uh, you can follow Jess on Twitter at Jessica Drakeit. So that's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-D-R-A-K-E-T-T. Uh, and uh, for more on the podcast in general, you can follow me at Chris H. Till on Twitter. And you can see my blog, uh, this is not a sociology.blog. And um, if you're listening to this, you're probably aware, but you can find the, uh, the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and, and wherever else you normally get podcasts. Um, and always happy to hear any comments uh, and ideas uh, through uh, through the blog or through Twitter. So hopefully you'll enjoy this chat. Hi again. So um, today I'm talking to uh, Jess Drakett, who is a senior lecturer in psychology at Leeds Beckett University, um, just a couple of floors away from me. So hi, Jess. Hello, Chris. <laughs> uh, thanks for uh, coming to talk to me. Thank you for inviting me. It feels a little weird, but I'm totally on board with this. Is this his first time on a podcast? <laughs> it is, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't uh, even listen to that many do you podcasts. Not? No. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. No. I. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm really into podcasts, actually. Um, yeah. I, I should think it's be. Fun... I should get into podcasts. This yeah. Is something that yeah. I keep intending to do. Yeah. Then, there's so. a, there's some really there's some really good ones. Um, and I think one of the things I really like is that they can be really niche, like this one. Yeah. This is what digital <laughs> says. You don't have to be. You know, it doesn't matter. Like um, how kind of. Uh, focused uh, kind of your audiences, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm, um, we've been trying to arrange to speak to you for a little while, and we kind of tried to, and then it didn't really happen. But yeah, so, we have kept missing. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but uh, it doesn't matter because we're, we're here now. But yeah, so we'll be talking today about about Jess's um, uh, work on um, well, two kind of related bits of your work, which both come okay. together in your yeah. PhD, I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, which you finished uh, last year. Uh, yeah. 2017? Yeah, that, right? that yeah. sounds right. Yeah. yeah, I handed in October 2016, yeah. then waited ages for my visor in 2017, yeah. Yeah, um, which was on the... Um, uh, well, it's kind of got two two main elements to it, I think, hasn't it? Yeah. Which is uh, analysis of um, memes, particularly image macros, yeah. um, and also kind of uh, work... Uh, uh, women working in tech. Yeah, Broadly, would that yeah. be right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so... 
Um, but it's kind of humour is your is one of the main aspects of your analysis. Yeah, humour was the sort of driving force for me um, going into the PhD. I mm. previously worked as a software developer, which is a weird route out of a psychology <laughs> degree and then back into a PhD supervised by a team in psychology. Um, and the thing that got me going was there was a lot of really overt sexism going on in technology, unsurprisingly. Um, and it was often being framed as being humour or passed off as being just a joke. And mm. I think I got to a point where I eventually snapped with that and just said, hey, no, something's wrong. This needs looking at. So mm. that's how I ended up studying memes for a <laughs> chunk of my life. <laughs> so um, we'll talk about the memes bit first, I think. Um, so I think that makes sense kind of thematically. So um, you looked at a kind of variety of uh, uh, of memes, but you were specifically looking... So probably most... I think probably most people listen to probably have some understanding of what a meme is, but could you kind of define a meme and how you kind of Ooh, see it? Yeah. Um, Limor Schiffman's work is probably the most appropriate when we're thinking mm. about internet memes. So the term meme's got a biological base. It's all about things uh, evolving and changing. Yeah. And an idea or a song or a, an aspect, it's an element of culture that mm. mutates and moves, and that's where you get this sort of viral and biological yeah. thing. So like a gene. Yeah, exactly mean, yeah. like that. Um, but Limor Schiffman's work sort of moves away from that sort of individual sort of idea of an individual unit towards groups of things that kind of shift and move and mutate and change and I think that's probably a more useful way of thinking about it it could be in relation to sort of digital memes if you think about things like hashtags are a good example of a meme something that takes off spreads mutates changes that kind of a thing or um you know like these daft challenge videos you know like the ice bucket challenge and all that kind of right. thing that is a meme it's it's an element of culture that gets reproduced and spread and changes and yeah, it's yeah, it's messy definition. So it's, yeah, it kind of, it's transmits, and, uh, but but yeah, exactly. Like um, it, it kind of evolves because people yeah. add their own bits to it or adapt it or remix yeah, it or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all about that sort of participation, reuse, and yeah. sort of resharing, which you get in some really interesting things around uh, copyright and attribution. Yeah, which yeah. is going to be super fun with the yeah. EU. <laughs> but so you, but specifically your research, you looked at um. Image macros. Yes, I looked at image macros, which feel quite old to me now. Because um, when I first started looking at them, it was back in twen- oh, when was it? 2013 when I actually yeah. did my sampling and analysis. So that's a number of years ago now. And if I say memes now, people think about, you know, like the moth memes and the lamps and all that. Have you seen the moth? Oh, the moth's a, a delight. You'll love the moth. <laughs> it's just a picture of a moth and it likes lamps and that's a thing. Oh, because they're the light. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. okay, yeah, yeah. I, I would really struggle to analyse the moth for mm. anything to do with like gender or like inequality. <laughs> but um, that's where we're at now, which is kind of a, a nicer place to be, I guess. Mm. Um, but the image macros, are, you'll most likely be familiar with a, an image with a text overlay, some sort of caption. It's usually in the white impact font with a little bit of a black border. They have a very specific look and feel to them, but they were what I was analysing. They're really easy to create as well. Mm. So you so you kind of constructed a sample of um, of these from yeah. uh, from some kind of like um, meme sites, really. Yeah, we used the meme generator website, so it involved a, a lengthy sampling process to get it through ethics and just kind of justify what we were doing and actually have like a solid rationale but it was about being really strategic with it so we looked for the sites where you could not only create the memes but we were interested in the ones where you could also share them we also wanted them to have like a gallery where there was like a, a rating system that was really transparent and clear like these are the top blah memes at this time so we went in and we sampled the top however many from a number of different websites mm. and we'd chosen the websites based on all kinds of stuff like their google page rank and you know where the, how 
ways that we could figure out how popular a site was effectively. Yeah. Um, and that gave us we ended up at two hundred and forty, I think, off the top of my head, um, mm. which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but you were looking at these for a particular. You were looking at them through a particular lens, uh, so particularly looking at kind of gender and yeah, um, looking for um, sort of representations or constructions of gender yeah. um, and technology really. Mm. But it was also one of the first sort of studies looking at the content of memes. There were loads of there were bits and pieces. I, I shouldn't say loads. There really wasn't that much, but bits and pieces of work at the time looking at you know like the spread of memes and kind of mathematical networked sort of basis for study but there wasn't anything really interrogating the content of them at the time anyway so that's what we wanted to look at so I, I kind of went in with a bit of a let's see what we find but obviously I'd got particular aims around the thesis in relation to technology and feminism so yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and so um Memes are, uh, sorry, uh, image macros in particular, but mm. maybe memes in general actually, yeah. are kind of inherently kind of at least aimed at being humorous. Would you say, is humour an inherent part of them, would you say? I think that's think? a core part yeah. of it, yeah. I think it's, there's an entertainment value to them, whether or not that's humour or... It probably is humour, isn't it, let's be real. It's, I think there's an, a humorous element for sure, but I think there's probably also a community-based element, and that's mm. something that kind of came out in the analysis as well, was these creations of particular subcultures or communities online um and it's still something that i struggle with now even like a couple of years after handing in my thesis mm. as to whether or not that's inherently a good thing or a bad thing because i think there's there's certainly an exclusionary element to it the, the memes we looked at they weren't intended for everybody to understand so there's an element of exclusivity to them you know like this is an in joke you can't understand this this is our little secret language almost I wondered as well if there's also an inclusive element to that. So it's it's creating like a, a community with safe rules for somebody to participate in. Does that make sense? Mm. Kind of. Yeah, it's but so messy. <laughs> if I'm reading your work, it did seem to me like um, we'll get back to that humor in a second. But like, yeah. it did seem to me that there was quite a. It is quite rule bound. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, there's there are rules. They are rules based units of culture. There's there's ways to do memes, but one of the things. <laughs> one of the tactics for actually creating humour in some of them was subverting those rules. Yeah. So you, a lot of the image macros were stock characters, like familiar archetypes, and there would be a particular way of phrasing whatever the text overlay was. So like, there's a the picture of the the guy in the beer advert, the most successful man in the world, where it's I don't always do X, but when I do I Y, kind of a, yes. a setup. So people would sometimes use the wrong image um, to that, and oh, then yeah. I don't always make a meme, but when I do, it's on the wrong template. So, uh, okay, yeah, so yeah. you've got these elements of, um, I don't know, like exploitable like parts of the memes yeah. that you can kind of mix and match for some of them. Like this, like uh, the scumbag hat was a, a thing. So it was a like a Burberry hat. <laughs> oh, so this is the scumbag Steve. Scumbag Steve, yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, he's got like a, a checkered hat on, and people would take that hat and put it on something else to show that that thing was a scumbag in some way or another. Yeah. So then, yeah. so this is so originally that is it's 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 a photo of a guy. Uh, was he in kind of like a? It was, it was in a band or something. Yeah. It was like, um, see, the thing is the. I had to figure out very quickly how to cite the Know Your Meme uh, wiki, oh, yeah. which is the most useful thing in the world mm. if you ever want to study memes because it charts sort of where things have come from. And it's, it's you know, I never say to students, 
can you cite Wikipedia? But I've supervised a number of projects where I've said, you're going to have to cite this wiki because it mm. explains things that just aren't being documented anywhere mm. else. And I think it's really useful, sort of nice community-driven project. But yeah, um, there's a load of history on like his backstory and oh, stuff that's on amazing. it. It's absolutely I need to look at fascinating. Yeah. Some of them, like the other ones, um, the uh, overly attached girlfriend. Mm. There's like a whole history for her, and you know the girl with the goosebumps books, the Ermagerd girl. Oh yes, there's yeah. loads of history about all these people who wow. have inadvertently often become. So it is really, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a really valuable archive. And, it's really, really yeah. good. It's, it's yeah. a really valuable resource, for sure. But that's really, yeah, that's really interesting. So, yeah, the, the, the Scumbag Steve is, is this guy, he came to represent sort of just scumbagness. Scumbaggery, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like you said, and then but even that gets broken down into elements. So it's even yeah, just, it's just the, the hat, hat the is hat enough. The hat was enough. Like one, I remember one of them um, was... Um, it was a picture of the, the teacher in the classroom and um, they just put mm. the scumbag hat on it and it was like um, something about you, you you drive 10 miles in the snow to come to class, class is cancelled, like kind of a thing. Yes. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it snowed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a kind of a remarkably efficient yeah. way of uh, communicating a message within that group who understand, who understand the rules. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's shorthand. Um, sometimes... I wonder if we're going to go back to like hieroglyphics and we're just going to entirely <laughs> communicate in emoji and memes. But it's it's a similar kind of thing, yeah. It's it's shortcuts. They come to symbolise particular things, and people who know understand those things and yeah. can, can use them and can use them to communicate. Um, but and so obviously, anyone who knows anything about kind of humour, as in just in terms yeah. of having heard jokes <laughs> or and have thought about them at all, knows that, that that kind of that speaks to a lot of those things that mm-hmm. that humour very much works on shorthand and uh, confounding expectations yes. and twisting expectations yeah. um, I, I think um, but I wonder if could, could you say um, you said that there's a certain exclusionary element as well as that inclusionary element to it mm. um, which I think is a, is a big part of your analysis Yeah. could you say a bit more about how, how that exclusion works and who's being excluded yeah so the main reason for me looking at memes was that very uniquely sort of technologically bound kind of humour, if that makes sense. It's a humour that exists in online spaces. It is, it's meant for uh, communicating in that space. And, and people who work in that space, often um, sort of developers and so on, are very familiar with these kind of like online cultures. So I actually got to a point, um, it's just come to me, um, in the second study where I was speaking to women in tech, where I was I was lucky enough to be interviewed, sorry, to interview them in their actual office. And they had printouts of memes on the walls, which we talked, um, I came across this concept of um, office folklore. So like in the olden days where photocopiers were a thing, I guess, <laughs> well, photocopies are still a thing. Yeah, but yeah. You know what I mean about like photocopied humour? Yeah. You get similar kind of things papered up. So I wondered if that was, if the memes were like a, a newer version of that. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And especially because actually it's literally about reproduction as well. Yeah, exactly. So these, you know, they've got their own mm. office-based memes that had kind of come about in the office. Like they had this um, picture of a pig and I was like, oh, what's this? And they were like, oh, no, this is just the, the pig that is in our office. And it's, it's like an internal meme almost. But they'd also got printouts of other familiar characters just like, you know, on the end of bookcases and, you know, just above people's desks and that kind of thing. That That was a really, like, nice validating moment for me because I'd... It's something I'd struggled with articulating all the way through was making sense to other people why 
it was related, why, why the study of memes and the study of, you know, organisational psychology and technology was remotely mm. related. And that moment for me said, okay, these things aren't just excluding people online, they're potentially excluding people offline. Yes. So the way um, I'd thought about them being exclusionary online was, it was kind of coming back to that rules-based thing. If you don't know and you don't understand, that's one way of sort of like pushing people out. But there's also like the more, the, the kind of the less subtle ways. So like a lot of the memes were sexist, they were racist, you know, there's a lot of homophobia, like bits and pieces of just absolute bigotry like coming mm. through in them, which is pretty exclusionary <laughs> really. Yeah. So that was one of the things. And it was because they were in that recognisable meme format that was being positioned as humour. So, you know, it's, it's easy to laugh off, it's easy to excuse mm. it because it's just a joke and does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just wonder if we could do, we could just say a little bit about the actual kind of nature of the kind of joke. So it, t- it tended to be, um, you know, without getting too kind of uh, graphic or anything, but yeah. it, they, as you said, tended to be sexist uh, and racist. Um, and um, but it, I think there's a, there's a particular kind of character to that that it, that it was particularly it was a particularly techie version of that as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that was surprising because we didn't really target. So we we thought about sampling tech memes, so mm. like memes that have got a tech focus, mm. and then we thought, no, let's go for general because it's you mm. know it's it's understudied. We'll we'll see what comes out. And yet there were still elements of sort of technological humour and joking in there. So there'd be loads of memes about. Um, like the Sean Bean, the one does not simply X into Mordor yeah. thing. It'd be like, mom, one does not simply pause online games because you know yeah. women don't understand online games. Especially ah. mums. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Especially mums. Yeah. Or um, like the picture of the uh, oblivious, naive suburban mums. It's a, a woman in like a pink shirt and she's just smiling and looks like a perfectly normal woman. <laughs> and yeah. The caption on that one was, my son says um, that there's always um, porn on the computer. It must be some sort of virus or something like yes. that. And it's, you know, yeah. she's been positioned as being technologically naive she's unfamiliar with porn she's unfamiliar with viruses all that yeah. kind of stuff uh, and there's some, some of the less explicit examples yeah. of that yeah no but they're really good at me to be no, 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 that's about that's, that's enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no but it, yeah it, but that, they give a really good idea i think of that yeah. it's often from you know from your analysis it's often to do with games or to do with kind of uh, knowledge competence. of internet Co- competence yeah, it's, exactly it's yeah expertise and competence so the ways in which uh, men and women were shown to be using technology was really different as well. Mm. And that was kind of one of the first things we did when we started. We, we did a thematic analysis on this based on Brown and Clark's, sorry, Brown and Clark. I should know how to pronounce mm. that. Like, I know these people. Um, Brown and Clark's work. Um, but before we did that, like in the initial sort of familiarisation stage, we did a lot of like demographic coding on the memes. So we were coding mm. for the characters. We were coding for, you know, is what is the... Content of this, really broadly speaking, is it a man? Is it a woman? Is it a mm. Pokemon? Is it this, that, and the other? Um, really diff. One of the first ideas for a paper title I had was, um, like one does not simply sample the internet. <laughs> I'm coding the race of Pokemon. I was like, what race is a Pikachu? I don't know. Which is a really weird question. Well, apparently, to it's have. Ryan Reynolds. So. Well, I know Deadpool Pikachu. I'm then. really excited yeah. about this. It looks terrible. Yeah. <laughs> It's very cute, though. But who would have it's, thought four years ago? I, mean, I know. But when I just you were ex- doing your project, yeah. I, well, it was the moment when I typed Pokemon into Word and it auto-corrected to give me the accent oh, on the okay, ear. I was yeah. like, oh, this is okay, I like <laughs> yeah. this. But, um, yeah, we, we coded all these kind of demographic details first. So we had, we had an idea of 
being able to sort of run queries against it and say, okay, show me everything that's got a man in it, show me everything that's got a woman in it, show me everything where a man and a woman's together, which is an interesting one. Every one of those with a man and a woman together had some sort of sexual connotation. Yay, mm-hmm. internet, thank you, great stuff. Ooh. But men, when they were shown to be using technology, were shown to be mastering it. They were yeah. doing things like they were playing games, they were illegally downloading material they were hacking they were showing off there was some there was an element of like bravado and that kind of a thing mm. whereas if women were um shown in memes really into technology they were complaining that their diamond earrings would scratch their iphone or mm. that nobody would play farmville with them or something like that. there was a a very different flavor of um i guess engagement with technology coming mm. through in those it was really weird yeah really weird but it speaks volumes to the gendered nature of technology so yes yeah exactly no 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 but but really important i think that's why um as well just being really interesting insights it's really important that you kind of do some of the cataloging of uh, of that and 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 making sense of it um uh, and that's what you know Mm. it starts to bring to bring that stuff out um surprisingly when we'd actually sort of coded at like a, a really sort of basic what is this about level um the majority of them were about school or college that kind of thing and we have we we don't have demographics for who's creating these because no. obviously you know we don't collect that information i don't even think the websites collect that information mm-hmm. ethically we weren't sampling from places that provide logins or anything like that but that to us spoke to a particular type of person creating them so we would best guess would be that this is younger, sort of like school, college age, teenage, mm. likely boys creating a lot of these things, which mm. again, kind of makes sense given what we're looking at. So, yeah, yeah. Um, best guess. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think so. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of the best you can do in that kind of scenario, isn't it? Yeah. But it certainly speaks to that, and I think you, you make the connection. Um, I can't remember if it's in the paper of yours that I read, or if in your thesis, possibly both. That it sort of connects with the uh, the kind of. Um, uh, Revenge of the Nerds, American yes. Pie kind of Yeah. It's it's a non normative masculinity, but it's still one that reaps what Connell calls a patriarchal dividend. It's yes, still exactly, it's yeah. still paying off. It's different, but it still pays off. Yeah, so it's so it's kind of geeky culture and uh-huh. also the kind yeah, yeah. The, the nerdy kind of and possibly often sometimes the characters represented would would be sort of like skinny nerdy boys skinny nerdy boys but they were shown to be like exceedingly sexually competent like yes the, oh what's his name oh i should know this but i've not looked at him in ages the guy with the calculator surrounded by girls and oh yeah i remember this yeah in oh, what's um, his name um is it priority peter or something like that uh, yeah i think this is right yeah because he's he's on his calculator he's got a calculator which is surrounded by women in bikinis yeah and a lot of the captions are things like sorry ladies uh, there's only one kind of tan I care about, and it's like, yes. oh, it's a math joke, I get it, right? Yeah. But if you sort of dig deeper into that character, you find some really, really, like, explicitly sexual ones that are like, right. sorry, ladies, no time for sex until I solve for X, and that kind of a, <laughs> a thing. Uh, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> yes, yeah, but certainly, yeah, it connects to that more more mainstream kind of yes. discourse. And that makes, just makes me think about... What, because it, it is consistent with a certain kind of broader media culture like that that kind of thing. Yeah. But also seems to be um, suggesting a certain kind of, um, through the kind of humour, t- challenging of at least a perceived PC, political correct kind of culture. Yeah. Um, which actually has become a, 
uh, since you've done your project, yeah. uh, more of a kind of a central kind of uh, political issue. We've yeah. a lot of kind of mainstream politicians now position themselves in that similar way of challenging PC culture. Yeah, and I think it's really important how meme culture feeds into that. As this well. is my question. Do you, do you think that's how it's worked? <sighs> Does it just chime with it, or is it feeding it? I think it's a really big interrelated, mm. ephemeral, messy mm. blob. I mean, I don't want to talk about the alt-right because no. it's not something that I, I want to engage with on any level, realistically. But some of the adoption of meme... Mm. I mean, there's, there's articles around things like meme warfare, basically, yeah. and people using memes for various political agendas, which I completely get because they're powerful. It's a nice, quick easy way to share information mm. and sort of get that into I guess like a a cultural consciousness if you like mm. um, and I think there's there's value and there's risk yeah. to it and I think there's a lot of potential for things to be exploited yeah. if that makes sense. I think people are aware of the power of mimetic content yes. and that's a good thing and also a worrying thing yeah. <laughs> Well, the, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, maybe, like, the, the, the most obvious example is that it's um, Pe- uh, Pepe, Pepe, the Pepe the Frog, yeah, yeah. who's gone right from being just this kind of sort of just weird little, little stoner thing. kind of comic thing yeah, to, to literally being, literally this is like, a for Nazis, shorthand for Nazis. Nazis and effectively one of Trump's <laughs> mates, <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> as much as a cartoon frog can be, um, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which is bizarre. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know, you've probably read... Um, Marwick and Lewis. I think you sent me this. I oh, did. This is what I sent you. Yeah, I yeah. think it is, and I'm not. No, 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 no. Terrible. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, they've done some interesting stuff on this, looking at how. Um, yeah. But also, it kind of. I think one of the ways it relates to what you're talking about is is their opinion is that it is kind of it, it's a strategic push into the yeah, mainstream. Yeah, absolutely. And because the kind of people that would be making the kind of. Um, uh, memes that you're talking about as well is some people what they're talking about in terms of they would know how to get for instance get their memes to like the front page of reddit or yeah, exactly. or 4chan or whatever yeah. which we know has increasingly in the current kind of media kind of climate mm. has a quite direct line to yes <laughs> more ma- i mean reddit is like the, what, the fifth most visited website anyway yeah, it's pretty absolutely. mainstream but really really mainstream as in on tv yeah. or in in you know yeah. in newspapers um so, yeah, I think that that is... And like you say, I mean, it can be used for all sorts of political purposes. Yeah. But, again, I think what you're identifying here, it has a certain kind of hold over... There's a power Or a connection to, to yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's a power. And I think, sort of steering away from politics, there's potential for people in marketing. Like, we, mm. we see it all the time, people trying to create various mm. viral marketing campaigns mm. to varying degrees of success. Or, yeah. you know, things that have inadvertently become viral mark, like um, voting with boat face and all that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anybody expected... Well, maybe they did because they put something on the internet. And yes. Maybe you should expect that these days. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But that kind of a thing. So mm. there's, there's utility in it. It's mm. just... You know what that gets used for. Yeah. Like anything, really. Yeah. Like memes aren't inherently bad. No. Like at all. Um, in fact, they've got a lot of potential to be subversive and mm. good in my eyes. Like, think about things like Me Too and the Time's Up hashtags. Mm. Mimetic culture. Yeah, really, absolutely. Really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, there's some really lovely academic work being done around that. Um, Anadis Rudolfstadtir in Iceland's been doing a lot of stuff around. Um, sort of young feminists in Iceland's engagement with like the free the nipple campaign and stuff oh, like yeah. that really really yeah. interesting stuff so 
there's potential for things to be nice. Yes. Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we'll move on to the kind of the work thing in uh, in a second. There's just a couple of points I wanted to uh, kind of highlight. So you, um, I think one thing I this is uh, someone who's not really an expert in this area at all, but I think there's something to me that's slightly kind of persuasive about. Uh, or kind of seductive about memes, which is actually the the quite amateurishness yes. of no, of them. And I just wonder if if you had anything to say about this sort of, uh, um, because it, my assumption is the people making these, many of them will have quite uh, sophisticated technical abilities. I would guess potentially, or at least some. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could make them look a lot nicer than they are. Yeah. <laughs> it was my kind of book, but they don't want to. No. Um... So the way a lot of the macros are generated is straightforward. Like you just go on a website, choose mm. the background image, and yeah. type some stuff. Like yeah. you need no right, okay. particular competence to yeah. make them at all. You need particular technical competence to be able to make the sites that make that. Yes. So there's a, okay. and there's a layer of, I guess, uh, interesting questions to be raised around that. Mm. So who facilitates the making of mm. memes? I guess. Which isn't actually something I never thought about until this moment in yeah, time. So that's, that's kind of, yeah. huh? Ooh, yeah. That's a new one for me to think about. Yeah, Thanks, new, new project. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I thought I was done with memes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for most, for the most part, it's relatively straightforward to just go online and make mm. an image macro. Right. Whether or not that gets a lot of reach and gets shared a lot is another mm. question, I guess, and depends on what it is, where you're sharing it, mm. how the internet's feeling that day, I guess. But back on the sort of like the amateurish nature of it, there's something really interesting to be said around um sort of viral content and YouTube. So Jean Burgess has done work around um participatory like online culture. And there's um one of the I'm sure one of the factors around um whether or not a, a video sort of does well is that kind of authenticity. Mm. So does it feel like an authentic, like underproduced kind of thing does that make sense yeah, like, there's, a, yeah. there's a rawness to it I think that people relate to and I'm sure that that's why people like um, I don't know like beauty bloggers and that kind of thing it's it's expertise and it's competence but it's being positioned in a very um, sort of authentic way not in a marketed way yeah until you know a certain level of success is yeah. reached and then i guess it does become marketed and yeah get zoella selling 50 quid advent calendars or whatever maybe that's, these. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's a little bit different to, yeah you know, somebody sitting in their bedroom and teaching you how to blend eyeshadow which yeah. is arguably more but, real but there's that style to them isn't there that, um of yeah. like the kind of um like there's really like hard edit cuts where they kind of just, which yeah. that's still when you get to the point of you've got 100 million followers or whatever they've got um, that's deliberate, yeah, you know, because exactly. that could be slicker than it is. Yeah, somebody's got the money and time to make yeah. it better than it is, yeah. but they aren't. Yeah, so. that is a choice. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think you're right, it's, it's something to do with that kind of authenticity. I think it is, I think it's an authenticity thing, and I yeah. think that's something that is um, sort of valued in a lot of online um, cultures or communities, is this idea of belonging and authenticity, and mm. it, it feeds back around to that idea of, you know, like, fake nerd girls, oh, they aren't really into video games, they're doing it to attract a man, and all this kind of... Oh, the kind of people yeah, are going to kind of um, cosplay things. Yeah, 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 exactly the same kind of thing. Oh, they're not really into this character, and it's like, well, how did you know that? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's an authenticity thing, it's a, it's a form of gatekeeping, mm. and that is exactly what I found in the discussions around workplaces and techs. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, people good. were acting as gatekeepers to a particular um, kind of work in yeah. various ways. 
And so, yeah, yeah good transition. Again. <laughs> Accidental. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so you, you kind of saw, uh, when you went and did some research, so you did kind of um, interviews. Uh, uh, dyad- oh, it was a right mess. Oh, it was brilliant. Was yeah. it mostly dyadic interviews? Was, there there was were a right? couple of those. Oh, okay. um, it was meant to be six focus groups, each with six participants, lovely mm. design, beautiful. Can mm-hmm. run all these nice focus groups? Um, but it ended up being like a big pile of focus groups and some one-on-one interviews and okay. some dyadic interviews just because I had a lot of trouble recruiting people. Yeah. Um, and that was largely due to the fact that I was looking at, um, I wanted to speak to women who were studying for careers in tech, women who were working in tech, women who'd left careers in tech. And obviously women who've left careers in tech don't all go to the same place. So yeah. they were quite hard to recruit. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they've left, they have left for a reason a lot of the time and don't necessarily want to discuss that. And that's something that I ran into. Um, I thought it'd be easier to recruit students, but they were actually really difficult to recruit, which was sad. Um, I was met with a lot of, not really resistance, just unhelpfulness from um, various departments, which was not necessarily here, but like other sort of university departments that I approached to try and mm. recruit, which was sad. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's just because there aren't that many women on these kinds of courses. But yes. Yeah, it, it was... But you would think that they would be interested in knowing... Think, why you know, <laughs> there it's, are more you know, speak, yeah. it's free feedback from your students yeah. so somebody else is going to run it so mm. yeah um, so the, the methods were a total mess um, but it was nice it gave me a lot of stuff to write about and reflect on but I ran a bunch of interviews basically with um, women at various stages of tech careers over that kind of entry through exit trajectory mm. so yeah um, and again you were particularly interested in in the kind of cultures and around how yeah. humour is used and, and, and yeah. you kind of I suppose in a really crude, in my really crude uh, 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 rendering of this, you saw a, con- a connection between that kind of meme uh, culture yeah. and the workplace culture, the same kind of exclusionary um, practices. Yeah, so I, the first halves of the interviews were um, sort of talking about work, how they got into tech, the kind of like the tech life stories almost, what they did, mm. what they loved about it, what they maybe didn't love about it. Um, and the second half, I actually presented them the results from the memes analysis. It was very kind of raw at that point. I'd not, I'd not even really written it up, to be honest. I'd tell my supervisors I'd heard of it. I'm still scared of them. Um, but I kind of presented where I was at with that and just kind of asked for their feedback and just kind of said, so here's what I think I found. What do you think? And, you know, a lot of them were like, mm. oh, my God, yeah, I know these characters. This is really funny. Oh, hang on, wait, when I look at it in this way, it's not necessarily that funny. Mm. Um, I had some quite hostile participants who were like, this is pointless. I don't understand why you're doing it. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fine, just been doing this for like two years. Okay, it's fine. Um, so that was a little weird. But um, like I said earlier, when I got to see sort of printed out memes in the wild or people were saying oh yeah I send this one to my colleagues like last week or you know we use gifs to communicate in like local chat channels and that kind of mm. thing it it kind of validated what I was doing and why I was doing it because I knew that this media was uh, a big part of their sort of tech work experience as well as their outside tech life experience does that make sense yes yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it it's part of the communication process yeah. in in the way that emails are in 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 all workplaces Absolutely. and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I think if we ever move to using like Microsoft Teams, we'll probably see more mm. use of gifs and uh, memes between us. But it's just not the way we work. No. Yeah. I mean, I've already seen more kind of emojis. I think in the uh, last yeah. couple of years. I've started to see more sort yeah. of filtering through. I've also had some worrying emails from students where it's clear that they're typing an email on their phone and they just end it with a kiss. And I'm like, oh, no. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except from my iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, the scent from my iPhone thing kind of almost makes you feel a bit better. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, they are thinking, they think this is a text message. But I think that's <laughs> something, actually, that's another kind of issue. I think with students, they don't necessarily see those distinctions no, so much necessarily as maybe uh, uh, we might do. Yeah, because they don't remember the time when we had a dial-up modem. <laughs> no, no, exactly, yeah. Like, um, or anything or other than just a, a phone, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, some of the stories you kind of uh, drew on from the interviews were really, uh, well, they were already interesting. Some were quite kind of uh, moving, really, yeah. I think. And the kind of, um, in, I think in some cases where people have maybe kind of, sort of internalised some of the kind of uh, sexist kind of cultures as well. Um, uh, so could you could you talk a bit about how they, you saw those kind of manifesting in that sense? So how did people, ex- what kind of exclusionary kind of ideas or practices did people... Uh, experience there was an uncritical subscription to a lot of problematic discourse Mm. but I think that some of that is in part a survival strategy for working Mm. in um, quite troubling environments if that makes sense so there's a lot of oh yeah this is really funny oh um, actually maybe it's not that funny or you know, mm. th- this is talking about a particular kind of oppression, but I don't experience that at mm. all because I'm a strong, empowered woman and yes. I don't need anybody's help at all. It kind of a Does so that... yeah, so that's kind of a manifestation, yeah. of, a manifestation of the kind of the sort of like neoliberal feminism kind yeah. of the kind of um, you it's, mentioned it's the subscription to that Sheryl Sandberg kind of leaning lean in and all yeah, that kind of thing, stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a subscription to a, a particular discourse that's manifest right across our culture mm. that. It, it's meritocratic, mm. which it isn't, and that, you know, individual strength and capability is amazing and you can have anything you want and you can do anything you want and there's no issues around inequality because, you know, feminism's won and we, we're beyond a point of yeah, yeah. feminism and, you know, it, yeah, it was it was really interesting. Um, Humour in terms of the workplace, it wasn't really explicitly discussed as such. It was those kind of, like I say, when when I realised that these things were just a common way of communicating or being shared in offices and that kind of thing. They these were the kind of points of connection in um, between the sort of two studies, mm. and also seeing the sort of like the the assumptions around how women use technology from the memes, you know, like, they're less capable that they use it in a certain way, seeing that mapping across in terms mm. of women feeling the need to constantly defend their competence and prove themselves to be experts and kind of uh, demonstrate that they are allowed to be there, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, that's where we started to get these, like, sort of little points of, you know, connection between the two studies. And so was that, was that, that justification of them being legitimate in that scenario... Was that at all manifest in terms of positioning themselves against those other types who aren't yeah, allowed to be a- here? Absolutely. The, there, there was a lot of um, sort of subscription to a I'm not like other women mm. kind of uh, of discourse for some of them. You know, they were very keen to position themselves, you know, as being different to, I don't know, women that works in HR or something mm. like that. Mm. Constructs in a very particular type of organizational femininity and yes. what, what that kind of person does yeah um and i, I don't want any of this to sound disrespectful because i understand yeah, yeah. why the, this sort of strategy happens and mm. there's a particular example where somebody's talking about um how they got into technology and they're saying about how they'd learned to make websites when they were about sort of 12 13 and they'd 
done it by going and looking at other people's source code behind their websites mm. to try and figure out what certain things did. And that they'd always laugh when they saw that they'd use like a, a an editor like front page or something like going back a number of years, but they'd used an editor and not written the code themselves by hand. So it was mm. like, ha, you're not even coding by hand. I'm much better than you. And it was this kind of, it was almost mirroring this like elite technologically competent thing we'd seen yeah. in the memes. And it, it sounds awful, but I understand why. And this is something I, I've got an entire reflexivity chapter <laughs> where I stared into the abyss that is my soul <laughs> and realised that I too had a really similar tendency to position myself in similar ways. Mm. It's like I'd, I'd, I think a lot of the um, sort of women I spoke to were of a similar age to me, a little bit older, a little bit younger. We'd got very similar entry routes into technology. Mm. We'd we'd not had a linear path. Like I did a psychology undergrad degree, mm. and I kind of fell into fell into programming. Elizabeth <laughs> Kellen talks about the serendipitous nature of women falling into things. You know, it's not a direct path. And every time I say That's that, I'm really like, oh my god. <laughs> I've not, I've not heard about that before, but that makes yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard I've yeah, heard people say that a lot. It's yeah. not a deliberate. Um, sort of entry route it's not something that's you know explicitly thought about and it's something I really struggle with because I kind of went oh shit I'm an awful person this is exactly <laughs> what I do you know I'd be like oh no I can't even code can't even do this yeah. <laughs> and then it's like oh no you, you're trying to demonstrate your expertise and competence yeah. in a, a scenario that's constantly demanding it's a way of dealing yourself. it's a way of dealing with those structural yeah. uh, inequalities and exclusions yeah, yeah. But, and it's it's that's why I mean so sort of careful, I think, and mm. sort of cautious with language, because I understand the subscription to uh, arguably problematic discourses that reproduce those kinds of ideas in technology, and it's not straightforward, and it's it's not going to be straightforward to dismantle mm. like at all. <laughs> so, yeah, does that kind of answer that question? Yeah, no, re- <laughs> incredibly well. Yeah, incredibly well. Um, do you think that? To what extent do you think that sort of challenging these kind of problematic forms of humour that you've identified is needed to play a role in that, um, in making these spaces less exclusionary? Yeah. Um, I think it's just important to just call people out on their bullshit, mm, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And that's there's a, a big chunk of reflexivity around that. I talk mm. about how when I first started my thesis, um, I was... You know, I, I used to play Guild Wars 2 a lot, and I loved it. Um, it was my favourite MMO. And I used to see a lot of terrible stuff in mm. map chat, people sharing like really sexist or racist stuff. And as online communities go, Guild Wars 2 community is pretty reasonable. So it, it wasn't like as bad as others that I've seen. But um, I, I would kind of quietly tolerate it. And I think as I got further and further through my project, I was like... Nope, I'm going to start a fight, even if it means my character's going to die. I don't care, <laughs> let's start a fight with somebody on the internet. So I think just sort of challenging stuff when you mm. see it and calling stuff out and knowing that there are other people that think this is bullshit as well and yes. they will, they'll, they've got your back. So. Yeah. And I suppose the insidious kind of nature of this is the use of the of humour in it. Yeah, because it, it just it's because that, that's a way of def- deflecting that kind of any critique. It's used to stuff. It's used to sanitise stuff. You know, yeah. we, we can't possibly be mad because it's just a joke. And it's like, mm. well, it's not just a joke. Like, have you seen the Randy's Burger thing in Sheffield the other week? I did. Yes. Oh yeah. my goodness. So uh, this is a, like really briefly for anyone who's not heard of this. this so this is a, a kind of like a burger place in Sheffield, and they released a menu of uh, burgers which were basically just. Uh, named after uh, after pe- uh, sexual uh, abusers 
or um, sexual abuse. So there was like the Weinstein the Weinstein, burger. Yeah. There um, was um, like a bunch of things that were like named after various like porn scenarios yes, and stuff like that. Yeah. Just really gross. Like what? It's a burger. It doesn't need to be named after sexual no. violence. What is wrong with you? <laughs> and the thing that really got me with that was the fact that I, I had a look at their Twitter because I'm convinced I want to do some research on this mm. and like the sort of discussion that sort of followed it. But I had a quick look at their Twitter and they were explicitly messaging the Sheffield Union, Sheffield Hallam Uni sports societies and being like hey uh, we've got special offers for sports societies and you've got a menu full of rape jokes yeah i you know exactly what you are doing they do it's it's so creepy and gross and oh no yes um no absolutely yeah and and i think you're right and it's um i think you used a quote in your thesis i think it's from laurie penny um where she said this this point about that you're supposed to just take these jokes, but like a punch, you take them in, like a in punch. In the way that one's meant to take a punch. Yeah, yeah. and I, that was really good uh, because, and that really gets at that point that it's they are bruising, yeah, and damaging, and yeah. uh, and this kind of thing. Um, yeah, and and these things are kind of difficult to kind of call, and and I think the the point is that it it needs to be it needs to be everyone. Calling yeah. out, you know, it's not it's not just for for women to 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 call uh, call people out on this. It, it it's for men as well because, as you mentioned, yeah. that really great notion of the patriarchal dividend before that it pays off. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it because all, all even men who aren't necessarily uh, directly engaging in this stuff, they're kind of still complicit in it by just kind of letting it happen or yeah. whatever. Um, uh, and and I think that that's really important. And I think your work helps to kind of give a critical framework to kind of yeah. to see it like to see it the way that it, it needs to be seen yeah um that makes me feel good today <laughs> yeah no 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 i think that, and, and that, it's yeah and that's uh, that's right it, it really it really had a big impact on me actually i think just because um i, I didn't i've really kind of grown up around kind of internet and kind of techie culture mm. but it still just connects to a, just a broader you know general kind of masculine culture that yeah. i have kind of grown up in and uh uh, existed more in when I was kind of you know a teenager and this kind of thing, but um, it's still very much there. And a, a lot of those elements still spoke to that kind of experience yeah. and things I've kind of struggled with uh, uh, around that, um, you know, growing up and, and and even to some extent in adulthood as well. Yeah. Um, and they are they are kind of difficult uh, issues. Um, it's more difficult for people who aren't kind of straight white men but yeah. it's still they're still you know it's kind of still kind of tricky um but i think yeah again it's, it helps to kind of get a language of uh, a, a way of looking that uh, looking at that yeah being being able to question it i think that's one of the really interesting things because i'm in psychology yeah but I, I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as a psychologist a lot of the time i take much more of a feminist critical approach to my work you know i'm, I'm not about chopping rats up and sticking wires <laughs> on people that's not at all what i'm into I often say that my work sort of straddles sociology and media and cultural studies mm. and elements of um, psychology and, you know, technology as well. Just mm. you, it, it's really interdisciplinary. But psychological approaches to humour have tended to focus on this idea that humour is this amazing thing. It's great for well-being. We can't mm. possibly question it. And if we start to think, oh, well, we can't question it, then we, we lose out on being able to challenge some of these problematic uses where it is being used to sanitise really problematic sentiments or you know mm. particular viewpoints and it's important to be able to ask questions and if you say something's you know wholesale it's per it's perfect it's lovely and positive everybody needs to have a good laugh it's, it's great for well-being well fair enough it might be in some cases but you know who who's 
we need to interrogate power in relation to humor as well you know who is the butt of the joke you know like mm. which you know which direction is power operating in i think that's yeah, something that's really down, yeah. yeah it's it's really important to be able to question that i think yeah and i think um bants is never just bants no oh god no <laughs> <laughs> um, nope. I, I i hate bants but <laughs> i hate bants yeah. like, just no um, and so yeah, so should we? I think we'll we'll end there. It's been great to talk to you. Uh, I don't want to kind of te- uh, keep you any longer, but no, it's been really fun. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing where your research goes next, whether that's to the into um, sexist burgers or sexist uh, somewhere burgers. else. Maybe sexist burgers. <laughs> Who knows? Thanks, Chris. Bye. <laughs>